This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. On today's show, we'll speak with Collinsville native and Elite Series fisherman Brock Mosley. Brock will compete March 1st at the Bassmaster Open Tournament held in uh, central Mississippi, the Ross Barnett Reservoir. And we'll speak with tournament manager later on, Chris Bowes. He'll give us the inside scoop into how the tournament is put together. But first, we've invited onto the show Tony Petro, a sport fisherman. His boat is called the Southern Miss. Very nice. And he's also the president of the Mississippi Gulf Coast Big Game Fishing Club. Good morning, and thanks for taking some time with us, Tony. How are you? Good morning. Glad to be here. Always love to talk about fishing. Absolutely. It's 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 our uh, fishing and angling show today. You're involved in sport fishing, big game fishing. How did you get involved? Well, I've always fished. Uh, my father and I started fishing out of Goche, Mississippi, many, many years ago when I was just a teenager, and, and I've always loved fishing. We were doing inshore and, you know, and, and backwater fishing, you know, trout, redfish, stuff like that, and uh, we got in, once we uh, got a little bit bigger boat and got a 25 Mako, had twin Johnson 150s on it. We only had 150 gallons of fuel, but that was a <laughs> lot of boat back then, and we could start doing a little blue water fishing. We didn't do a whole lot. And I really uh, probably we got into it, uh, my father and I, probably in like 94, 95. Uh, we got our first big boat and uh, started running out of Perdido. My uh, uncle owns the oyster bar there in Perdido, Florida, and um, uh, been doing it ever since. And uh, just recently, and I say recently, uh, since about, I think in 07, uh, we uh, moved the boat over to Biloxi right after they opened up Highway 67. And, uh, you know, to go from Hattiesburg to Biloxi back in the day, you had to go all the way down 49 and then 90. And, of course, traffic was horrendous. <laughs> it would take almost two hours to get over there. And the state of Mississippi come along and, and did what uh, government as far open up roads. And that was actually a, a, a hurricane escape route. And uh, the, now I can leave Hattiesburg now, run the speed limit, and be in Point Cadet Biloxi in just over an hour hour in like five or ten minutes so very close and the thing is I'm fishing the same waters out of Mississippi as I was fishing out of uh, Florida, yet I don't have to put up with all that traffic going across the bridge and the Mobile Bay Tunnel. Everybody knows about that. <laughs> traffic is horrendous coming back. Highway 67 is wide open, and uh, and I do I want to make one thing uh, clear. I was I'm the past president, uh, Tim Wold, who was actually our club club president in 15 and 16. He has taken over. He's retired now, and this is his job, uh, and he's doing it. For the pay, the pay is so good. It's a lot. You know, he's doing it for the pay and the benefits. Obviously, that's a joke. He's yeah. paid nothing. Right. Absolutely. I, I understood you were going there. What is uh, so for folks who have who have been fishing? Maybe they don't live, uh, you know, close to you know ocean water or anything like that, and they do a lot of pond fishing or reservoir fishing. How? What? What kind of steps do you have to take to get into, uh, you know, sport big game fishing like this? 
Oh, you know, I'm glad you asked that because when I was coming up, uh, you know, you had to have these big, what we call battle wagons. I mean, these massive <laughs> boats, very expensive. And But now technology, uh, there's a lot of young guys getting into it that uh, they have these uh, yellow fins or contenders. And I know a Hydrosport uh, introduced a 52-foot, I believe it's 52, 50, 51, something like that, like a 52-foot uh, center console boat that runs like 60 or 60. 70 miles an hour, carrying almost a thousand gallons of fuel, you can blue water fish out of a boat like that, and even like a 26 uh, yellowfin or, or 29 or whatever, you can fish out of the uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast, be in blue water in one of those boats in no time, get in a good day of fishing, and be home for a nice hot meal at your dinner table. Uh, you couldn't do that back in the day. Very few guys could do it back then, yeah. and uh, it was very... Uh, uh, it just it wasn't for everybody. A lot of folks couldn't afford it. But it's now with the center consoles, uh, they, these guys blast out there, you know, running 50, 60 miles an hour, get in a good hard day of blue water fishing, and come on back in. And uh, so it's open that that has opened up the sport to many, many, many more people. Now, on, on the other hand, uh, with the technology these days, uh, the technology will carry you as far as your wallet will allow you to go. Right? Also, on the other side of that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, the, the technology nowadays is unbelievable. They've got, they've got these. Uh, they're like a, basically like a sonar or a depth sounder, uh, chart plotters, whatever you want to call it. But you you pull up to these oil rigs if you've got one of these. I've I've got one that's kind of like that, and I don't have the good one. But basically, you pull up to the oil rig, back your boat into it, and there's a transducer on the back of the boat that looks at a 360 degree bottom, it, it basically shows you what's down there. You can see fish. You can see what type of fish. It's incredible. I think it's good to like 700 feet. Um, and you can see if it's a marlin. You can see if it's a, a dolphin, uh, like dolphin the fish, not dolphin the mammal. Uh, it, it's incredible. The technology is absolutely unbelievable. We have basically uh, transponders that, uh, like you see on aircraft and, and over-the-road trucks. Uh, you can see other boats that have theirs turned on. I, AIS is the name of it. I'm not sure what the acronym stands for. But you can see other boats around you, what speed they're going, what direction they're going, where they came from, where their port, their hailing port is, where they keep the boat, uh, whether it wow. be a a work vessel or a pleasure boat. Uh, the technology is incredible. You, like radar, you know, you can see you can see the storms coming. Um, you can see birds out there. We all, if you're not fishing rigs and you're looking for some activity, we look for birds. And uh, they have radars out there now that can uh, pick up birds, a flock of birds that are maybe working a bait ball <clears throat> in the water, and your radar can see that, and you run over there. You know what? They're there's your fish right there. Yeah. So the, the technology is incredible. And like you said, it's just how, much, how far ever you want to take your wallet. <laughs> right. How much of that takes, uh, wh where is the balance of technology and sport? Uh, and I, I wonder if, if there's differing opinions, like what is maybe, uh, maybe the industry's know, general opinion versus what yours might be. It's interesting. You talked about how, how great that technology is, but it seems to me like if it's just taking a picture of what's underwater, water, it's almost like throwing darts at that point. Does that take away from it some? Or am I reading too far well, into that? No, it, you know, it can be like that, but, but first off, 
you know, there's some sport fish captains out there that on this tournament trail. There's a couple of them, and uh, and I say a couple. There's probably four or five in the northern Gulf, and and those guys. A couple of them have all the technology you can buy, and a couple of them don't. But those guys are always on top of the leaderboard. You have to, you have to do your homework before you go out and mm. fish, especially in a tournament. Um, you know, if you get in a tournament, there's a lot of money involved that you have to put up just to enter, and uh, most of the really the hard work is done before you ever leave shore. Uh, but these guys, they they. Like you were talking about looking down and, and with one of these uh, uh, sonars looking at the fish, well, they have to be in that general vicinity within mm-hmm. a you know a thirty or forty mile vicinity of that, uh, or they're not going to be there. And I'm talking about like you know uh, highly uh, migratory fish, pelagic fish, uh, marlin, dolphin, uh, wahoo, uh, tuna. Uh, they have to be in that area, in their general area, for you to even see them. And and these guys that are at the top of the game, they know where the fish are. They may be, you may have a swarm of marlin, say, in one area, the next three days, four days later, that that whole group of marlin, they may be 110 miles away. They may be 150 miles away. Uh, those highly uh, migratory fish, the pelagic fish, they travel long, long distances in a very short time. Speaking with Tony Petro, Mississippi Gulf Coast Big Game Fishing Club. Uh, Tony, you kind of stumbled onto a question I wanted to ask you um, for us uh, folks in the dark about uh, you know big game fishing and things like that. How far off the coast are you going before you're getting into some fertile water? Well, you know, and again, that goes in doing your homework on shore before you go out. Um, On a general basis, uh, you got, of course, we have the, on Mississippi, we have the Barrier Islands. And and if you've never been to the Barrier Islands, most folks in Mississippi don't even know that Mississippi has Barrier Islands. Uh, But but that keeps, you know, the the river water kind of in, and it keeps the water kind of murky and brown. But just on the outside of that, uh, I've seen... I go out there a lot, you know, on the weekends and just uh, lay in the sun, you know, hang out with friends, whatever, in the boat. And uh, it's like the beach is in Destin. It's incredible. Uh, so, but that's still not blue water. Uh, you still have to go out a little bit further. But the currents and the tides all has a lot to do uh, with where the blue water is. Uh, you can do a little bit of sport fishing in green water. That's more going to be like tuna and uh, wahoo. Uh, but really to get into the, the really, uh, the great sport fishing. You got to get in that cobalt blue water, and a lot of it has to do with the Mississippi River. Uh, when there's lots of floods throughout the heartland of America, and that water starts pumping out of there, billions of gallons a second coming out of the Mississippi River uh, at Port Eads, South Pass, or the Southwest Pass, or Tigers Pass, uh, it's pumping a lot of uh, dirty river water in, and you can see it's called a, a, a rip line. You can see the color will change immediately if you go out of the mississippi river uh, in a boat and you're in dirty brown you know river water 
or fresh water, and then all of a sudden you hit that blue line, and it goes from you know brown fresh water to cobalt blue salt water. Well, there you go. And if you're going out of the Mississippi River, there's a lot of times that blue water can be four or five miles out. Uh, normally in Mississippi, if you're going uh, Orange Beach, Alabama, Biloxi, Mississippi, Gulfport, Mississippi, you're normally looking at, on average, about 60 to 70 miles. Uh, and like I said, you've got these center consoles now that can do that in, a, you know, in an hour because yeah. uh, they're running 60 to 70 miles an hour. But uh, but that's, I would say, on average, 60 to 70. You know, sometimes you may have to go, you know, 110 miles out. And, you know, of course, anytime you go offshore, preparation and safety is, is paramount in everything that we do. Tony, what should a fisherman look for in a charter boat service? Um, ask around. Go to the dock. Go. Uh, you can call us at the uh, or send an email to the Mississippi uh, Gulf Coast Big Game Fishing Club. We've got uh, two, three hundred members, something like that, and it's a close knit community. We're actually having our uh, our fish on kickoff event at Margaritaville Resort on Sunday, March the 11th, from four to six. It's kid friendly. Uh, we, you know, we're asking folks, hey, come down there and visit with us. Membership is 125 dollars a year, and that gets you to six events that is fully catered uh, food and beverage all you want uh, really really uh, good membership there but you can you know talk to us or like I said go to the dock and just ask around on the dock this is you know, these guys around there called dock rats I mean they stay <laughs> on the dock all the time yeah and you start talking to these folks it's, it's a word of mouth uh, there's so many good ones in Biloxi um, I was fortunate to be able to go to Miami two years ago and this is only the the first time this ever happened, two guys in Biloxi, Mississippi, were named to the uh, uh, Hall of Fame in the, uh, uh, I forget the name of the association, but uh, uh, it was uh, Bahanovich and uh, Trossel Set. They have uh, Silver Dollar Charters, and um, yeah. I forget the other one. But uh, those are two outstanding guys, and they're in, they're in the fishing, the Charter Boat Hall of Fame, and that's never happened where two guys from one port city has got into the Hall of Fame at the same time. It's never happened. And it's important. We're proud of those guys. Absolutely. It's important to know that you know so, so many people think that you have to leave the state to do something on the coast uh, or anything involved with the Gulf, and that's not the case. That's not the case. And that's why I told you about Highway 67. Yeah. I remember my first time coming down there, I'm, I turn off 49. And, you know, I've been to Bloxy a bunch, and but it was always 49 and then uh, Highway 90. And everybody knows the traffic's awful. But I turn on Highway 67, and I, actually my dad was the one that got me to go. And we're driving, and no time after I turn off Highway 49, I see this big building off in the distance. And I, I was like, Dad, what is that big building? He says, oh, that's a Beau Rivage. We're here. I was like, no, 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 no. We got a long way to go to get to Bluxy, and you know what? We were there. Uh, it, that's it, it's. Once that Highway 67 opened, it opened up a whole new world for me. I stopped going to the Florida Panhandle. I stopped going to Orange Beach, Alabama. Uh, I spend all my time and all my money in my home state of Mississippi, and I love it on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. I've met so many great friends down there. I'm there a lot because of Highway 67. It's a, a very, very low travel. There's almost no traffic on 67, and uh, we may be letting a secret out, but that's okay. But <laughs> 
you can do the same type sport fishing out of the Mississippi Gulf Coast as you can in the Florida Panhandle or Orange Beach, Alabama. We all fish the same waters. We fish the same oil rigs. We fish the same tide rips. And uh, you can do it right here in your home state of Mississippi. You don't have to have that terrible drive through the tunnel and, of course, the Mobile Bay Bridge. Uh, you know, you're spending money in your own home state, generating tax dollars here. Uh, you know, it's a it's it's a really nice secret uh, that uh, when you guys called and asked me to be on the radio, I said I'd love to because I'd, I'd love for other people to know what I know. Absolutely. Folks want to get involved with uh, the club there. How do they get involved? You can uh, check us out at Facebook. It's Mississippi Gulf Coast Big Game Fishing Club. Uh, or you can go to our website, and uh, I think it's uh, mgcbgfc.com, Mississippi Gulf Coast Big Game Fishing Club. Or just get on Facebook and type in Sport Fishing, Mississippi Sport Fishing, uh, Mississippi Big Game Fishing, and we'll come up. Uh, my phone number's on there, Tim Wold. He's our uh, new president this year. And, uh, again, he's doing it for all the big money we're paying and uh, you can call me call tim we'd be glad to talk to you we want to get more people involved from from mississippi and uh and let them know our our little secret down on point cadet and, and biloxi and gulfport mississippi come on down to fish with us folks all right hey tony thank you so much for your time this morning you got me sold on 67 i'm gonna have to try that the next time i go down there absolutely thanks so much <laughs> all right appreciate tony petro absolutely appreciate you coming on tony petro with the mississippi gulf coast big game fishing club talking to us about uh, bill fishing, sport fishing, big game fishing down in the Mississippi Gulf Coast. When we come back from the break, we're going to speak with Brock Mosley about uh, the Bassmaster Elite Series. They have uh, one of their uh, one of their qualifiers coming up at the Ross Barnett Reservoir. We'll speak with Chris Bowes, tournament director, about that a little bit later on in the show. That's all coming up after this timeout. You're listening to MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. I misspoke before we went to the break. I talked about uh, the Bassmaster Elite Series and said they have a tournament coming up uh, next week at the Ross Barnett Reservoir. I misidentified that. It's the Bass Pro Shop Bassmaster Open Series. That's going to be at the Ross Barnett Reservoir in central Mississippi. Our next guest is Brock Mosley. He is an angler on the Bassmaster Elite Series. There is a difference. It's kind of like the major leagues and AAA of uh, bass fishing and uh, Brock is a big leaguer he's with us now Brock good morning how are you 
Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Let's start with your story of becoming a professional angler from Collinsville. And uh, this is interesting. Liz, tell me about uh, you went to Delta State to play baseball. And uh, Delta State is an amazing baseball program. And a roster spot at that school is a highly sought-after thing. And then you left Delta State to go fish at Ole Miss. What was that decision like? And when you broke the news to to the coach and everybody else on the team, how'd that go over? Well, um, you know, playing baseball on on that level of whether it's JUCO or D1 or D2, you know, you pretty much got to be committed 100%. And because uh, once you get to that level, it's it's like a full time job, you know. Yeah. And uh, I firmly believe if you're not 100% in in playing at that level, or you know, got your heart in it. Um, you know, you really don't need to be there. And I've, I've always wanted to fish. It's what I always wanted to do. Don't get me wrong, I love baseball. But, you know, growing up, you play on three or four teams a year, high school and junior college and travel teams and stuff like that. You know, I kind of got burned out. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to fish. And I was – I knew I wasn't good enough to play in the major leagues. So, uh, you know, I just decided it was time to hang up my cleats. And, uh, you know – you know, you're only in college once, and I decided I want to, you know, get a full full college experience. So I decided to hang up, hang them up, and uh, you know, attend Ole Miss for and finish my school and enjoy my last couple years in college. Yeah, sounds like uh, baseball became work for you. Um, so, is or were there scholarships for fishing at Ole Miss, or just the opportunity to go over there and and, and do it? Actually, you know, I I went to Ole Miss and. Uh, when I transferred to Ole Miss from Delta State, pretty much everything I took at Delta State except basics would not transfer as far as business <laughs> classes. So I pretty much had to start over Good grief. Uh, as far as working toward my, you know, my degree in marketing. So uh, I had to be at Ole Miss for two years, and uh, you know they didn't. I wouldn't. The first year I was actually at Ole Miss, I didn't even know they had a fishing team. I, I was still competing around the state, though. And um, finally, one day, uh, Andy Halford, a guy, one of my buddies that was on the fishing team, contacted me on Facebook and said, hey, man, would you like to, <laughs> to join our team? And I said, man, you know, sounds fun to me, and we'll give it a try. And we actually, uh, me and him, actually won a BASS uh, College Super Region that year. And the only year I got to fish at Ole Miss. I, I spoke with uh, – uh, we did an interview earlier in the week that we'll play in the next segment. And, and I, I told a guy that, that I'm surprised that the SEC has not tried to capitalize on uh, you know, the bass fishing uh, as a sport uh, more than they have. It seems like they haven't really jumped on that at all. That's, I mean, that's totally surprising to me. It seems like – you know, a huge chunk of their demographic uh, is probably like big fans of bass fishing, and they have teams at the at their member schools that are doing it and are very successful at it. And I don't know, maybe it's something that they're not worried about. But uh, let me ask you how do you how do how do you get from a guy who is is pretty good at fishing and is doing it on his own, maybe you know at at, at places around you know, where you live or something like that. Where do you get turned on to the idea that, hey, maybe maybe I'm I'm my ability to fish is a little bit bigger than this and I can go compete and maybe, you know, be one of the very best at this. How do you go about finding that out? Well, I mean, 
you know, it kind of goes back to my baseball playing days. I wasn't the best baseball player, and you know, um, I had to to have a, a very good work ethic to make myself just a little bit better yeah. to excel. And you know, it started out as a dream fishing on the Elite Series, and then um, you know, the first year I fished opens, I finished like in the top. 15 in points when you got to be in the top five to qualify for the elite series and right then i was like you know maybe i got a shot at making this you know maybe this can happen so uh you know i had to have a lot of work ethic and dedication you know i you know i'm not i'm not a uh born natural at fishing by no means but you know i worked hard and that's that's I think that's you know with anything you do you got to be a hundred percent committed to it and uh, you know it, it was a long hard road to get here kind of like working through the minor leagues in baseball it's just step after step you got to keep making and keep getting better and keep learning from your mistakes and uh, you know luckily three years ago I I did well enough and finished fifth in points to qualify for the elites. And, you know, three years later, I'm still here. <laughs> right. This is your third year in uh, the Elite Series you mentioned there. According to the media guide, your strength is power fishing. Now, I know you talked about you were a baseball player. I know what power is, what that tool is in baseball. How does that apply to fishing? Well, I, power power fishing is just covering water. I mean, fishing fast. Uh-huh. You know, that's not always a good thing. Uh, you know, uh, you know, throwing your spinner baits and crank baits and stuff like that. Covering water is what we consider power fishing, and that's that's what I like to do, and that's what I have confidence in. And you know, fishing's a big time confidence sport. You got to have confidence in what you're doing and confidence in yourself that you're doing the right thing, even though you may not be. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hope every and you know a lot of luck involved too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, the the Bass Pro Shop Central Open number one I was talking about earlier is going to be um, March the first uh, at the Ross Barnett Reservoir in Central Mississippi. You're entered into that tournament. What's it like uh, after you know getting into the Elite Series and and getting to fish all over and, and be one of the pros at this sport. What's it like to come back to your home state and, and fish an event? Man, you know, I love, I, you know, I'm excited about it. You know, I don't consider myself one of the best at Bar- at Ross Barnett, but it's definitely one of my favorite lakes because it's, it's a challenging lake. Um, you know, last year the elites, the elite series came to Ross Barnett mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I took great pride in, in representing Mississippi in that tournament because there's only uh, me and two other elites from Mississippi and uh, Cliff Pace and Paul Elias. And, you know, neither one of them has probably spent the amount of time I spent at Barnett. You know, I kind of felt like that was my home lake and yeah. a chance to represent the state. And unfortunately, you know, I made it all the way to, to day three. And unfortunately, my I had mechanical issues on day three and it cost me you know half my day but Jeez. Um, getting to represent mississippi on the elites and in that in the opens you know i take great pride in it and uh you know i know a lot of people would love to be doing what i'm doing and you know i don't take it for granted by no means 
where all of it has has this profession taken you geographically and and uh do you how how much does your family get to travel with you you know we go all over um you know, I'm actually, at, right this minute, I'm sitting in my truck in Orange, Texas, <laughs> down here around <laughs> Beaumont. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm doing a little scouting for a tournament we have on the Elites in April. And, uh, you know, I'm down here in Texas right now. Um, by the, August, we'll be in upstate New York, you know, uh, and we actually wow. have one in South, Deco- South Dakota this year. <laughs> Goodness. So, we do a lot of traveling. Um, and that's driving you know, I, you're doing all that, right? Um, yes. Yes. Oh, I actually, wow. uh, I spent a month last summer in New York, and uh, I actually left my truck and boat in New York and flew home for a week. So, you know, it's, we're part fishermen, part truck drivers, it seems like, most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> you know. It, yeah, it is tough being away from my family. You know, I'm I've been married um, 14 months now, uh, so newlyweds. Just uh, and luckily, you know, me, she's been with me since this journey began. You know, six seven years ago, and she understands that. You know, traveling is part of it, and that you know I love my career, so she's real supportive and. Uh, you know, that's what you got to have. You got to have a support group behind you and, you know, keeping you, letting you know that they got your back no matter what happens. You talked about work ethic uh, earlier and, and the amount that you work having to do with, with your ability to compete at a higher level. You talk about you're in Beaumont um, scouting for a tournament that's, that's further down the road. How much of that do you have to plan out in advance? And that sounds like a, that's a lot of fishing that you have to do and, and, and a lot of planning that you have to do to get all of this stuff in to make yourself as prepared as you can be for, uh, you know, you each know, tournament. Um, I mean, it's important, especially for me. Um, you know, I'm competing against the very best in the world. You know, uh, Kevin Van Dam, uh, all the guys you hear about, read about, see on TV, I compete against uh, – I have to p- compete against those guys for a paycheck. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's real important for me. I'm a visual learner. You know, it's one thing to kind of, you know, think this is what a lake's going to be like. But, you know, I've never been here before, so I had to come down here and spend a few days just to get to know the body of water. Yeah. Kind of – know what areas I'd like to pursue because we only get two and a half days of practice for the elite series for each tournament. Yeah. So, you know, no, it's real important to know how you're going to pick apart your practice for on these bodies of water and know what to expect. You know, it's not a, necessarily about coming down here and finding fish. It's more like, you know, planning your practice for when you get here in a month to know what you're going to do. Well, Brock, man, thank you so much for your time this morning. I'm, I'm glad to have got to know you a little bit better. And uh, now we uh, we have uh, one more guy to be rooting for uh, from the state of Mississippi on the Elite Series. I appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate uh, you having me. Absolutely. Brock Mosley, uh, Collinsville uh, native Bassmaster Elite Series angler. And he's going to be part of the, the Bass Pro Shops Central Open number 1 taking place on the Ross, Ross Barnett Reservoir uh, starting next week. All right. When we come back from this next break, we'll be speaking with Chris Bowes. He's the tournament manager for that very tournament I just named. 
uh, and a series, the Bass Pro Shops Bassmaster Open Series. And uh, we'll be talking about what goes into setting up the series, what goes into setting up a tournament, how do they find the venues that they're going to use, how do they scout for lakes, and and uh, the infrastructure that you have to have to host all of the anglers and, and, and their folks and any kind of uh, people who are going to come out to, to be spectators for the tournament, stuff like that, sponsors and everybody else. That's coming up after this timeout. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thank you for listening. I'd like to welcome to the show now Chris Bowes, Tournament Manager for Bass Pro Shops Bassmaster Open Series, which is hosting the 2018 Bass Pro Shops Central Open Number 1 at the Ross Barnett Reservoir in the metropolitan Jackson area. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming on the show this morning. How are you? Oh, I appreciate you having me on, Jay. I'm, I'm fantastic. Absolutely. Before we get into talking about the tournament uh, coming uh, to the Central Mississippi area next week. Let's get everyone on the same page about your organization, Bassmaster. How did that all get going? Well, we're actually, it's great timing. We're we're celebrating our 50th anniversary uh, of of the organization of Bass. Ray Scott, of course, our our great founder, uh, many years our our owner. We've had a a few transitions uh, since then, but uh, as a company, we're strong as ever and and super excited to be coming to Ross Burnett Reservoir. So you have a magazine Magazine uh, that's available and has been around for a while. I know uh, um, an interactive digital version now, and you have Bassmaster.com. There's also Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You guys are all over the place with your uh, social media platforms. Absolutely. I mean, everybody my age, you know, <laughs> grew up reading the magazine. Of course, now our our .dot com properties are are by far our biggest platforms. And, and I, if you recall, or I recall, you know, I often had to wait weeks for results. <laughs> of course, nowadays, everything is instantaneous. I was going to ask, how does that play into, uh, you know, now that information travels at the speed of light uh, almost instantaneously, how does that change how, you know, the, the, the story about, you know, catching, catching the big one, you know, how that kind of grows from, you know, from generation to generation, how it's told? How does that change that, or has it? Well, I don't think, I, I mean, I think all of us still, you know, probably get our first angling or fishing experience when we're youth, oftentimes by a, a parent, a mother, father, or maybe a grandparent uh, taking us out. So, I mean, it's still, you know, it's still a family fun, uh, family-friendly activity, um, but certainly the competition end from, from 50 years ago to today has, has stepped up, and, and along with that, the coverage uh, we currently, with our Bassmaster Elite Series, which we were there in, at Ross Burnett last year, 
last year. I'm sure I'm sure you all recall, and a lot of your listeners do. Um, you know, now we have live on the water cameras uh, that are, are transmitting uh, cell phone technology using tel- cell phone technology. They're transmitting this live coverage of the anglers, which is great for the fans. Sometimes the anglers are a little concerned about it. <laughs> you know, the, the anglers can be a little bit secretive, especially early days of the competition. Uh, you know, and everything from the baits you're using to uh, maybe the location can be uh, realized by some. Um, so so it's kind of, you know, has them maybe a little bit concerned, but from a fan perspective and an interest in the sport, it's certainly uh, uh, certainly elevated it. That's interesting, and, and that made me think of a question I hadn't before. I don't, as the, you know, on behalf of the organization, um, I mean, the technology advancement has to be breakneck speed, specifically the last probably 15 years or so. How do you go about balancing the technology with uh, the sport? Yeah, I mean, certainly it is a balance. We have an angler advisory board. Uh, it's made up of anglers that are voted in from their by their peers uh, to kind of help us uh, wade through some of the some of these things as they as they come up. But uh, I think they realize that really to elevate the sport, we got to modernize it. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, Jay, the, the change is really. Uh, this is my 15th year with Bass, and the first probably five to ten, certainly the first five, it probably wasn't much different from a technology and the scoring standpoint than it was probably for those those previous you know 30 years. Uh, it's really been about the last 10 years that, that, that really have seen things change. There's a new opens format this season. What what is an open? How does that apply to uh, your tour? And what was the old format? How how are they different? Oh, uh, I'm going to use a baseball analogy because I know a lot of the listeners probably are familiar with it. Uh, essentially, our Elite Series, which was at Ross Burnett last year, it would be a, a major league level. Uh, the Opens are considered a triple-A level event. Uh, we do have many of the elite anglers who will actually participate. They can they can come down and, and fish our events. There's nothing that excludes them. Uh, of course, we have a lot of uh, anglers that are up and coming trying to make the Bassmaster Elite Series because the Opens is the main is the main qualifier for the Elite Series. So certainly uh, anglers that are, are looking, striving to to make that jump to the next level are fishing the Opens. And of course you have a lot of local anglers that uh, Gene Bishop that's from right there around uh, Jackson uh, won a couple years ago when we were there. You know, great local angler. Really didn't fish a whole lot out of the state of Mississippi and now he's doing some of the, some of the uh, regional um, you know, various state uh, tours. So he, he's elevated his game just just you know partially from winning that open yeah with our series, we have four events regionalized this year. Uh, you know, backing up last year, we were three. Um, now we have four events in each region. Our, our central region is is our Ross Burnett is, is actually kicking kicking the season off for the central regional. We also have an eastern uh, that uh, eastern opens that that have uh, four events as well. And then the top finishers, uh, based on points and winners, will qualify for a championship. We did not have the championship in. 
the in the past. But how do you go about finding the venues that you use, the lakes? And there, there are, uh, you know, specifically, I know here in the mid south and the deep south, there's so many great places to fish, specifically for bass. Um, how do you go about scouting out and finding the places? And what what all do you have to consider? I know you have a ton of entrance, and you have to have space, and you know, logistically, you have to have ways to get all those people in and out and parked and, and everything and fans on top of that. So I know there has a lot has to be a lot to go into it. Absolutely. I mean, you're hitting all the you're hitting all the, <laughs> the nails on the head. Uh, um, you know. Number one, we want to come to a community that supports us. And the uh, Ridgewood uh, tourism has been has been fantastic to work with in all of our past trips there. You know, Ross Burnett was a regular stop uh, back in before my time even, and, and now over the last few years, we've really developed that tremendous partnership with the folks in Ridgeland to, to bring us bring us into the community. Um, but certainly, you have to have a, a fishery that, that that can support a competitive event that can handle handle 200 boats is what is what we're planning on fishing at that event wow. plus 200 co-anglers so uh, to your point you know you need the infrastructure that can support you know parking that many rigs and co-angler vehicles and and uh, you know just ha- just making it logistically possible that's pretty amazing I- interesting question here so you have an event picked out you have a great venue that that is able to suit all of the needs that you have for putting on a tournament like this. So let me ask you, is it, and, and I'm totally in the dark about this, you're, you're going to shed some light on me here. Okay. Can can the lakes be like, let's say in golf, you know, you have some difficult courses where it's really difficult to achieve a high level of success, but that's looked at as, you know, like a, a, a challenging, a high difficulty uh, course. Some, it's much easier to score and, you know, it's it's like throwing darts almost and it's, and it's the the challenge of the courses are very different. One has, you know, a much easier difficulty level, but it's the same playing field for everybody. So it's just a, it's a different kind of competition almost. Do you have sort of the same thing with the lakes that you are looking for? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's uh, it's going to be competitive. Uh, Ross Burnett will be very competitive, although I, I do believe we're hitting a, at a tremendous time of year. You know, my my local connections say that it should be about as good as it, as it can be but you're you're right i mean we, we have some tournaments they're they're absolute slugfests i mean uh five pounders common you know uh, even sometimes 10 pounders uh wow. then we have we have events uh um that are you know small mouth events up in the northeast we're going to with the eastern division uh we're going to lake champlain it's a it's a world-class fishery numbers uh um just about everybody will catch will catch a limit every day, um, and it, it, you know you you look for that variety. We have some we have some lake fisheries or reservoir fisheries like Ross Burnett. We have some natural lake fisheries. We have some uh, uh, rivers. We have two rivers on the on the uh, on the central open schedule. So it, our goal, you know, being a Triple A series and trying to qualify anglers for the major league, our goal is to really qualify the best anglers, and, and some of that. Can be ferreted out by having these these uh, variety of fisheries. 
How popular how popular do you think this sport is in Mississippi? What's the gauge you get from that? Well, certainly the the south central uh, southeastern part of the United States is is by far our, our largest uh, you, you know tournament angling. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Demographic, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, cer- certainly, uh, you know, bass started in, in in Montgomery, Alabama, not too far down the road, and of course, border state of, of Mississippi. Uh, we have a, a large number of uh, competitive anglers that, that fish out of the state of Mississippi. So, I mean, it's it, it's certainly it's gained a lot of popularity all across the country. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Last uh, or two weeks ago, we fished the first stop of our eastern series uh, in uh, Kissimmee, Florida on, on the Kissimmee chain of lakes. We had 37 states and countries represented. Wow. At that. How, how can folks still enter the open or can they? Well, they can't, they can't actually open, uh, enter, uh, enter this one. Uh, uh, our, our registration is, is closed. Uh, but I certainly uh, urge folks to, to join Bass, go to Bassmaster.com, join Bass, um, look or, or even if they don't want to join, they just want to check out more information, just go to Bassmaster.com. It's the greatest platform. Uh, do a little research on the tournaments. You don't have to have a boat. I mentioned that we have co-anglers, which, uh, uh, you know, don't necessarily, a lot of them do have boats, but they don't bring them to the tournament, but they have them at home. Um, but we certainly have a lot of anglers that don't own a boat. Uh, they just want to get out and be competitive, and they can go as a co-angler. It's, uh, uh, it's about a third of the cost is going to pro you're, you're fishing for a separate pool of prize money and and, and um, boats boat awards um, so you're not competing against the pro that's that's paired with you if someone's interested in getting started even if they own a boat even if they they fish a, a little bit locally club trails or something I still always recommend uh, starting out at a at a higher level like the like the bass pro shop bassmaster opens as a co-angler and maybe do a year year that way just so you can kind of get used to the format familiar with the people and it, I think it just makes the transition transition a lot easier and I've seen a number of anglers that have started out as co-anglers that, that are now fantastic pro anglers. Chris you touched on uh, prizes just a second ago what are the prizes for the, the the winner of the tournament and how many people are in the money so to speak? Sure, yeah, sure. Our top 40 in each tournament, uh, each regular season event, uh, cash and check. Our winners, both pro and co-angler side, were in a, a, a boat motor package. Uh, it varies. We have we have several sponsors that are gracious enough to help us out with those products. Uh, um, and, you know, total per event, based on a, a 200, 200 boat field, 200 pros, 200 co-anglers, we're nearly $300,000 in cash and merchandise wow. award. Just out of my own curiosity here, I have to ask you about the uh, collegiate angling. It's a thing that's you know that's I'm sure you're well aware. It's it's t- it's kind of taken off. A- absolutely, uh, Hank Weldon does a fantastic job. He runs our boat, not only our college events but our, our high school events as well. Basically, all of our our youth events. Uh, Hank does a fantastic job. His numbers are increasing every year. Uh, certainly at the college level, what's very impressive is the high school. The high school is by far the fastest growing of all of our tournament series. Uh, I, I'm, I'm shocked that the Southeastern Conference hasn't grabbed this bull by the horns because, uh, I mean, you know they're about revenue, and you take you know all of the, the biggest 
sports universities in the South, and then you you put that with you know a Bassmaster, and oh my goodness, I don't know how it hasn't happened already. The SEC is missing the boat. Yeah, yeah, oh, pun not intended. Yeah, well, they certainly they've certainly we've had several college champions, uh, uh, specifically Matt Lee and Jordan Lee, both came out of Auburn University, certainly SEC school. So so they have teams. They haven't really maybe focused as much energy on on you know really putting it out there so that the the more of the casual fan I guess can get a get an understanding that, that it's part of their their sports offerings. But you know we're excited about where it's going. And, you know I think this is really cool. I was I was here uh, you know down here in Central Florida and, and looking at uh, at the college signings that just happened about a week ago. I guess it is now signing day and and there were several athletes that were signing with fishing teams and I thought it was cool that they were giving them that that kind of press. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris Bowes, tournament manager for Bass Pro Shops Bassmaster Open Series. They're going to be at the Ross Barnett Reservoir for the Central Open number 1. Thank you so much for your time. Great. Yeah, hey, I appreciate you having me on and and yeah, we'll be a week a week from now we'll be starting at Madison Landing. The way the takeoffs are at 6:15 uh, in the morning and the and the weigh-in start at 3:15. On, uh, I'm sorry, at 2.15 on Thursday and Friday right there at Madison Landing. They're free and open to the public. And, of course, our final day, I want I want the folks to, to understand the final day weigh-in is at our title sponsor, the Bass Pro Shops in Pearl, Mississippi. Weigh-in uh, scheduled for 3.15. So don't go to Madison Landing on Saturday. You'll be disappointed <laughs> get to the Bass Pro Shop. All right. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Excellent. Great stuff. And thank you for your time again. All right, we're going to take our last break of the show here. When we come back, we'll uh, cover a few uh, odds and ends uh, sports news from around Mississippi in the last week or so. It's been an interesting one, to say the very least. That's when we come back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thank you so much for listening. So some interesting stuff has happened in the last week. Andy Kennedy, who announced that he was going to resign effective at the end of the season as Ole Miss's basketball coach, then changed his mind and said he was going to resign effective immediately 
And the first game that they played after he resigned, they won. They came back from behind and forced overtime and won on the road at Missouri, uh, which is very interesting. It'll be also interesting to see where Andy Kennedy goes from here. He'll probably have a job if he wants to rather quickly, whether it be as a head coach in basketball again, if he wanted to be an assistant somewhere, maybe even in the pros, if he wanted to scout, uh, or if he wanted to go on television. He's a very personable guy, so uh, uh, his he's got a lot of options in front of him. Uh, Mississippi State's baseball coach Andy Canazero has uh, resigned, uh, acknowledging that he made poor decisions, and that's about it in Mississippi State, uh, much to s- some people's... Uh, Iyer has not had a press conference or anything around that. Uh, and who knows if they will or if they can even talk about it because of some legal ramifications. But uh, it was announced yesterday, or Tuesday rather, that Canazero had resigned effective immediately. And uh, Gary Henderson, who is a former Kentucky coach, took his place. That'll be it for us. Talk to you next Thursday. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.